And anyways, me and Nina, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were in Rome. This is actually Paul's prison in Rome as he was under house arrest with, uh, sitting with, um, in Luke's home. And so it was amazing to see the ginormous Roman, um, statues, monuments, buildings, and then imagine Paul in chains waiting to sit in front of, um, Caesar and, and give his appeal to him, but just kind of being there for, for years and not able to leave, leave his home, not even, uh, not able to leave this home. One of the verses that really stuck out to me when you walk in, you see these different verses pinned on the wall. Uh, it says that even though I am in chains, the gospel is not chained. And that was really powerful. When you look outside of his house, there's another enormous uh, Roman building kind of towering over you. It's, it's so intimidating. And Paul, in the face of the greatest empire on earth during the time, was able to say that the real gospel and the real king is Jesus. And I, I just found that really encouraging. Um, as we move into our text today, I want to spend a, a little longer in um, our discussion time. We're going to be talking about prayer. Um, I think about Paul's prayer. He really wanted um, the emperor to be Christian. And during that time when he was under arrest, he appealed again and again throughout the court system because he was a Roman citizen. We kind of get that appeal process from them. So he would continue to appeal till he got to stand before the Roman emperor so that hopefully he could become Christian and the rest of the empire, empire can become Christian. That was kind of his most desperate prayer, his long-term prayer for the Jews and the, Ro- and the Roman Empire. And I wonder what we've been talking to God about, uh, whether it's our personal life, our struggles, our family, or something in his kingdom. What, what are the most desperate and long-term prayers that have been happening in our hearts? And I want you to especially share three prayers, if, if you have time, and start from the front and go down, or top and go down. What's something you've talked to God most about recently um, in your prayer life? Maybe something that's dominated your prayer life. What's a prayer that ended with disappointment? Uh, what was it about? How long did you pray? Uh, how did it end? And then thirdly, what's a prayer that God's answered? What was that about? How long did you pray for? And how did God answer it? Was it expected? And um, this is a great opportunity to meet someone new around you. It's going to be really awkward if they're sitting by themselves for like seven minutes. So I'd love for you to include someone, especially if you came as a couple, meet someone new. And then we'll give about five minutes to this. All right, go for it. Kelsey and uh, Danielle are done, so I think we're ready to go. Um, I just want to read this passage to you. It's This is from the Amplified Version. I'll tell you why a little bit later, but... When I, when I think about especially the prayers that felt disappointing or the prayers that are ongoing and have been ongoing for years, there's almost this insult to the next passage we're going to read um, because it's so simplistic and it, oftentimes it doesn't feel that simple. It says, keep asking, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking And you will find, knock, and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. Everyone who keeps on seeking finds. Everyone who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. 
Or what man is there among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or he asks him for a fish, and he will give him a snake? I didn't bring a snake. Just, I'm sorry. Mixed, mixed feelings about that. If you then, evil by nature as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep on asking? I remember I was uh, rock climbing, this is at Corona Del Mar, and I wasn't that strong of a climber yet, but it's about 25 feet in the air, and um, I, I got stuck. I don't know if you ever got stuck bouldering that high before, but when you get stuck, it's, it just feels really scary. When you're, when you're moving and you know where, where you're going next, you're okay. You feel confident. Your, your muscles are holding out. But when you get stuck and you're like, I don't think I go up. I don't think I could go down. I remember just hanging there and I was, am I going to make it? You know, do I die here? And I, I really just asked the Lord to help me because there was these chills going up and down my spine. And I, there was a moment where I'm like, okay, if I just jump and land, okay, I might not break both my legs. I made it, guys. I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> right? I, I made it. I didn't die. I'm not a clone. And so... um I feel like some prayers just feel like that. There's one moment, it's, it's black and white, whether God answers you or not, and then boom, all of a sudden, you're okay. But so many other prayers don't feel that way. There's so many other prayers that we pray, that I've prayed, where it just kind of lingers, or the answer feels unclear, or we ask and we're not sure if we received. Um, Here's a few of the prayers that I've prayed over the last few months. I've asked God for $12,000 more for our church. Um, we looked at our budget in-house and outside giving, and we felt like we still wanted to bring in a, a, another staff position, but we couldn't project um, that our current budget would cover it. So I was like, God, would you give us $12,000? Um, I pray for my volleyball friends often. I probably have like 50 volleyball friends now. Very popular on um, Huntington Beach. Many people ask me to play with them. And um, I'm pretty good at volleyball, but it's also about punctuality and personality, which I excel at. Anyways, uh, oftentimes I'm asking the Lord that they would come to renew or that I would have an opportunity to share my faith with them. And it is my beautiful sister. Sorry, guys, she's taken with a boyfriend that I really like, finally. And um, <laughs> she finished her nurse practitioner uh, just recently, got to go to her graduation. But she would go into work a few years ago every day asking God that her boss would have a great day so that she wouldn't pick on the little people, which <laughs> my sister was one of the little people. And then I think about my addiction um, to pornography and, and sexual addiction in general and how this, and for me, has been maybe 10, 15 years of talking to God, more than that, about freedom, about not wanting to sin anymore, about, um, and, and sometimes it's angry, sometimes it's bitter, sometimes it's depressive prayers, sometimes uh, I'm crying, sometimes I'm on my knees. Uh, sometimes I just make more promises. I've prayed every way possible for freedom. And I wonder what about your life feels sticky like that. Maybe you're wrestling with depression, anxiety, anorexia, greed. Um, but there's something in all of our lives 
that feels like it just clings on to us. And, and we've prayed for 15 years and we not, we're not sure how to move forward. Well, I'm going to go through this passage and I hope that as we walk um, through some of these principles of prayer, it would give you hope in praying for prayers that have died. Some of them, I hope that today would be revived again. Some of the things you've given up on, you'll find hope in God again for. And so I'm actually going to go to the second part of this passage. It says, Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you, then evil, sinful by nature as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep on asking him. I think when you just look at this first part of, of the passage, it can easily be misinterpreted. Ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find. We've seen that be abused all of the time. Or when we understand it in a way that is shallow, can leave us disappointed and even doubting the goodness of God or the truth of scripture. So you have preachers who say, hey, you know, name it and claim it. If you want a car, pray for it enough. If you want a big house or a jet, pray for it enough. And the passage says, ask and you'll receive. Well, that's not a good interpretation of the text. It doesn't keep the whole context in mind. So here, I, why I go to verse 9 to 12 or 11 is because there's a context to this passage, and I think it's fleshed out well here. The first context as we think about asking and, and knocking and seeking, is that we're doing it relationally. The analogy is between a father and a son giving good gifts, and he takes that analogy and he says, I'm your father. If you've ever felt used, if you ever felt like someone asked you for something inappropriate, it's probably because you didn't have a relationship with that person. They were trying to sell you on something, or they were trying to use you. They were asking something above and beyond the relationship that they had with you. But when my son, when Liam asked me for something, I'm like, I'm ready to give you the world, right? Because I love you so much. When I ask a close friend for something, or when I ask my, mo- my mom or my sister or my wife ask me of something, it's just, it, it feels very natural and easy because I'm in relationship with them. And also the primary motivation for which God is answering your prayers is because he wants a deeper relationship with you. Oftentimes when we go to the Lord, we can, in our early parts of our faith, we're not building a relationship with our Father that's couched in love and trust, that's couched in in maturing in who he is and who we are in him. You know, when we first start our relationship with God, it's really easy to go to him as a genie where we're the master and he's supposed to grant us wishes or go to him as an idol where their only function is for us to ask them for stuff. When, when we go to the Lord, is there what we ask, but is, is why we ask and the process in which we ask so that we love him more? And so that we experience his love. Or are we just going after stuff? Are we fixated on the Father or are we fixated on that one thing we really want? 
in the context of us praying and asking, which he encourages and desires us to do, he's saying it's about the relationship. The second thing I want to point out is that God says that he wants to, as a father, give us what's good and advantageous. And oftentimes, the way we define good is very different from the way God defines good. And so do we trust him to define good for us? You know, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, we should be floored over and over again by what good actually is. And, and it should bring us to our knees in prayer. So when we look at this prayer, this ask and receive, this seek and find, so much of it should be brought into the context of God. Change my heart so I stop lusting. Change my heart so I could live an authentic life. Change my heart so ultimately you're my master and not this girl or this guy or money or a career. And so we're reading the Sermon of the Mount and we're asking to be someone who received mercy so that they can give mercy, who can be a peacemaker. And we say, God, we're not able to do any of these things. And now we come to him asking for those good things in our life for those things that would transform our very soul. And we trust him for the good things when we, when we think about it in even the most like concrete and circumstantial ways, whether it's finding a girlfriend or a wife or a husband or getting promoted in a job or asking direction in terms of purpose, right? So the most uh, simple example is, is how many times God did not answer my prayer because what I thought was good and what God thought was good was different. I've asked to marry probably 50 to 100 women, right? <laughs> I, I remember this girl in uh, second grade. No, no, no. She was in preschool. Her name was Allison. And I said, God, she's going to be my wife and we're going to have two sons because my name ends with son, Wilson, and her name ends with son, Allison. And then I kissed her and I got a note home. Um, And I prayed for like probably one or two women ever since preschool that I thought was going to be my wife. Sometimes I would pray for multiply at a time, which doesn't make sense. And God, by his grace, didn't answer any of those prayers so that I could meet Nina, who I actually married, right? So how many, how many are we willing to allow him to define good in our lives? Or are we just fixated on that one thing? And uh, Ben Lee pointed this out to me. I really appreciated his insight. It says, if your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? And what he said was that we trust the Lord to not give us evil. But it also doesn't say that he'll receive bread or a fish, right? It doesn't say that when you ask for, when the son, even in the analogy, asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Of course he won't give us, him a stone, but he also might not give him bread. He might give him something better, something more nutritious, something more, something that he needs in this moment. So when we go to the Lord, have we grown in our faith where it's not this binary thing of whether God gives me exactly what I want or not, but it's this relational thing. It's this journey thing. It's this open-handed, I'm, I want this, but I trust you. Hold my hand, walk me forward, and ultimately my desires, my hopes, my requests rests in the Father 
and not this specific girl named Allison that I swore I would marry in preschool, right? Um, so is, is, is our request couched in relationship with an open hand, allowing the Lord to determine what is good and advantageous for us? And then we can go and apply a lot of these principles. So while we're looking at the Amplified Version, there's, there's different translations with different uh, goals in mind. One, one sect of translation wants to do a word-by-word translation, flip from Greek to English in the most accurate way. The second idea of translation is thought for thought. So they'll take a paragraph of the Greek and then they'll translate all of it kind of in one go to get the, the thought that the author was trying to, to communicate. And the third is a paraphrase, right? So it's kind of like, what's the big, big, big thought? And let me write it in the most contemporary language possible. Each one of them have its own value. For the Amplified Version, which I've, I'm starting to enjoy a lot, it's a word-for-word translation and it's our... And, as far as I know, our most modern word-for-word translation. The ESV and the uh, American Standard tries to do the same thing, but this one is the most modern. And what it does here is, if you look at the NIV, it will say, ask and it will be given to you. But in the Greek, ask is actually a perfect imperative, perfect present imperative, which means that it's, there's this continuation of asking. It, it's saying, don't just ask once, Ask as a lifestyle. Seek as a lifestyle. Continue to knock. And so what the Bible is saying is that, what God is saying is that don't give up in the way that you are asking and seeking and knocking. Don't have an end date to it. Keep going to the Lord. And one of the ways in which we keep God as God is that in all of our needs and desires and hopes, we continue to go to Him. One of the easiest ways for an idol to spring up is when we stop going to him. When we stop asking and knocking and seeking from the Lord and we give up. And we say, you know what? Maybe he doesn't, maybe he's not going to do this. Um, And we don't receive his answers. And so we put our hopes into other things. The second thing I want to point out is this um, acceleration between asking and seeking and knocking that there seems to be an intent, an intensity that's building. And, and it's not, it's not um, just contextualized into prayer. Like we, we pray when we ask, and we're looking to receive through asking the Lord. But then there's the seeking, which I think can be outside of our prayer lives. It's this walking around with an expectation that God is moving, that his hand is at work, that he's going to answer. And are we looking for his hand answering? There's times in my life where I've prayed and God's answered, but I'm still with my eyes closed metaphorically in prayer. I'm continuing to ask for something that he's already given me and he just wants me to open my eyes and see it. Uh, and again, it might not be that loaf, but it might be something better. And then lastly, knock. And in the Old Testament, or in, the, in, in Jesus' teaching, the knocking came with these really desperate illustrations, right? There's this man whose friend came to visit him late at night, and he couldn't provide food for him, which in that culture was like a social disaster. Um, it's basically saying like, 
go away. I don't like you as a friend. Get out of my house. Like, if you don't give him food, that's what you're saying. Uh, never come back again. So, so he's like freaking out because his friend came late at night. He had no food. So he goes to his neighbor's house and he starts pounding on the door, right? Can you let me borrow some food so I can feed my friend? And his neighbor's like, I'm, I'm asleep. My wife, and my kids are in bed. It's warm down here or I'm not going to get up and get you food. So he just continues to pound on the door till his friend's like, okay, you're waking up my kids. I'm going to go get you food and I hate you. And that's, that's the analogy that God's saying how we should pray. That there's this continual and in some ways growing desperation, uh, an emotive aspect to prayer. And, and, and we can continue to let that longing and desperation increase. And instead of giving it to another thing, we can look to the Lord for it. I'm going to go back to some of these um, analogies or illustrations and talk about how I, how I did some of these things in light of prayer. So the 12K, I was like, God, would you give, me, give us $12,000? And uh, talking to Paul and Jonathan, we're like, hey, I really feel like I can go out and raise this. Uh, we ended the conversation. And then the, ne- the very next day, one of my friends calls me. And he asked me about Renew and uh, how we're doing. And then basically he said, I want to give you $5,000. I was like, the, just yesterday I asked for twelve, And thank you so much. You know, so I was like ecstatic. I texted our leadership team. We're like almost halfway there. And then just a few days ago, um, I was sitting down with, uh, oh, actually a month ago, I was sitting down with another friend. And he was telling me that his business was going well. And then I was like seeking for opportunities, if you will. And, <laughs> and so I was proceeding to knock. And then on our way to the car, I was like, hey, um, you know, we're good friends. I just want you to know our, our church is looking for 12000 5000 has been covered. Would you pray about giving to us? He's like, ask me in a month because, you know, business cycles, invoices, all these other things. I was like, okay. So then a few days ago, I think it was uh, Thursday of this week, uh, we sat down again, we're good friends, had brunch, caught up. And on the way to the car, I was like, it's been about a month. <laughs> Are you down to help us out, you know? He's like, okay. So he pulls out his checkbook, and then he starts writing a check. And I, was, I got excited, you know, uh, for us. And then I saw a line, and I was like, he's going to give us $1,000. But then in the middle of the line was this really interesting mark that went through it. And then another mark on the top, and he gave us seven thousand dollars. So we were at we hit our twelve thousand dollar goal. Yeah, I know. But and then I remember being at small group with Amy and um, who else? Luna? No, Jillian. Jillian was there. <laughs> Arden, uh, Josh, and I pulled out the check, and they were like really excited. And you know what I thought? I was like, I was just kind of okay. Because I sat down today and I made a list of all the prayers God's answered and it almost feels normal now in, in the best of ways that God would answer another prayer to bless our church. I started making this list of all the things that I've prayed for at Renew from when we started till now and I quickly stopped because I realized again that everything good of this church came out of conversation with the Lord. From my life, from the life of the leadership, from the life of this community, everything. And he's doing that for us as a community and for me because he wants me to know he's a good dad. 
I think about my volleyball friends, and um, I prayed for them, right? And then I started seeking for an opportunity to minister. And um, one of my favorite stories is when I first started playing volleyball, uh, it was a meetup group. And I don't know if any of you guys use Meetup, but it's a lot of people who are looking for friendships coming together. So I play volleyball with them. And every time I go out, I bring like three to five different fly, uh, Renew Flyers. And I'm like, God, I pray that I could hand out all my five Flyers, right? That's what I prayed every time almost when I went out. Oftentimes I did, oftentimes I did. But one day uh, we finished volleyball. We should go out for like drinks and pizza and stuff. But then no one really wanted to hang out or go out, so people just started leaving. And I ended up sitting down with three other people in this little circle. And I got to share about how I'm a Christian and a pastor and stuff. And then the first guy uh, said, hey, I've been listening to Christian radio for no reason. Like, <laughs> I'm a Buddhist, but I'm like listening to sermons. And I'm really interested about this Christian thing. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then the, the second girl, she's had struggled with drug addiction, but going to a accountability group. And one of the first thing they ask you to do is to find a higher power. And so she's like, I'm kind of looking for a higher power. And then the third girl said, I'm looking for a church. So I'm like, come hear me preach, Jesus, come to renew. You know? <laughs> and, and I think the, the idea of, of praying, looking for opportunities, and then walking through them. Um, my other friend, more recently, I was really excited about my last sermon. And so I just texted 10 volleyball friends to come out, uh, copy and paste. And um, none of them came. But one of them was sharing with me how she's been struggling with insomnia. And um, she, she grew up kind of in the faith, but, you know, wrestling with it. And I, I just started texting her. I was like, hey, let's pray together that you would sleep well tonight. And uh, I've known her for a few years now. And, I, and then I just started praying for her um, after I texted her. And I, my prayer was that God would answer her prayer and be real to her. And um, the next day, she slept well. You know, just those simple things. Where my, I just want them to experience the Lord. This guy who didn't come to church, uh, to our church, said, Dude, I missed your sermon, but I went to a church across the street. Does that count? And then this, I said no. And then this other guy who, um, I felt like, you know, a great guy. I love him so much. And we played good volleyball together. But when we talk about the Christian faith, he's pretty, uh, apprehensive. And he was the most, he was the most, he was the person I was most scared basically to invite to renew. And, um, yeah. And anyways, um, he said, dude, I have three games to go to, uh, for my kids. But if I didn't, I would come out and like send me a sermon. And so all of those things were like huge wins. Um, and I just kind of, again, saw God's faithfulness in it. I do think it's tricky praying for other people's um, growth or character or them learning, finding the Lord, because it's not necessarily a prayer that God can answer right away because it involves another person's free will. And yet when we pray, God does some tremendous things. Um, Winnie, uh, she prayed again for her boss to be nice to her by having a good day. And she said, there's so many days where my boss was still mean to me. But what she found as she kind of reflected back in that season, which, I mean, her boss was really not good. She said, what happened was that she didn't change, but I became more patient. She didn't necessarily, she wasn't necessarily nice to me most of the week, but I, it moved me away from that hospital to find City of Hope. And um, 
and she became like a pick line nurse, and it's a pretty technical skill where you insert a needle into someone's heart, but not really. <laughs> Sorry, Winnie. Um, and uh, she has to navigate it, right, through their arm and stuff. And um, she prays. She prays almost every time she does a pick line that God would help it go smoothly. And God answers that prayer so that she would know he's her father. And then I think about my journey in um, sexual addiction and seeing a bunch of freedom and yet knowing that I still struggle there, you know? And um, even this morning, like, I didn't pay net nanny, so the whole thing came down, and I wasn't aware of it. So I, went, I, went, I was on a site that I know is blocked, and it wasn't, like, a bad site, but I just block it kind of preemptively. I'm like, oh, my God, it's on. And then I was like, why isn't this on? And then I was, like, freaking out. And then all the temptation came, and I was like, but I have to preach in two hours, you know? And then I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight and win. And by God's grace, I didn't fall. And that was like a big win, right? But, th- but that doesn't happen every time. So, so what has this journey been for me? It's been God saying, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to deliver you in 15 years because in these 15 years, in these 20 years, in these maybe 30 years, I'll teach you that it's not about you just stopping sin. Because that's what I've always prayed for. God, help me to just stop this one sin. I hate it. And he's like, it's not about this sin. It's about me teaching you how to work through all of your rejection issues and find that I accept you. It's about you failing and finding that you're still my son. It's about you understanding my forgiveness over and over and over again and experiencing grace so that you could give grace to others. It's about me being your dad. It's about you being more humble. And I think sometimes we, we ask God for something, but he knows we really need something else. That you might be saying, God, I'm tired of wrestling with anxiety Take away those feelings. Take away me imploding on myself. And God's like, actually, I'm going to teach you how to find peace in me, which is so much harder and so much longer than me resolving some of these symptoms. God, I'm tired of being depressed. And he's like, let me work through the last 15 years of your life. He answers in ways that we can't foresee, but are better than we could ever imagine, are deeper. It's about your heart and your soul and your relationship with him and not you, your one sin or your one problem. And when, when, if he were just to take away this addiction from my life, which I'm still asking for, but if he were to do it 15 years ago, trust me, I'd be so much more prideful and judgmental immediately. I know that's coming. And I still wouldn't know how to heal from, I wouldn't seek ther- have sought therapy for four and a half years. And I wouldn't understand his sacrifice in the most significant ways. And I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want freedom, but I'm saying that it, it's not just about that. And I know God's speaking to some of you guys. It might be about this. It might be about 15 other things. But he's, he's saying that you... Keep on praying, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, but know that it's about him holding your hand 
and healing you. Healing you and not just stopping this thing. Healing you. That's, that is so much better than what we're asking for. Um, I'm going to stop and pray and then I'm going to share one more thing and then we'll pray for each other. God, I just feel your presence here and so I just want to extend a prayer to my brothers and sisters who have given up on something really deep and maybe feel like you're not going to deliver them or heal them or they can't stop. And so right now, in Jesus' name, I just break those lies and I ask, Lord, that your tender arm would come around them and that you would show them that you're still there. You haven't gone anywhere. And that you want to keep walking forward and that you'll always be there. And I hope that some way today, when they pray again for that one thing, that it wouldn't be about that thing just disappearing from their life, but it would be about looking up at their dad, you know, saying, would you hold my hand? Would you heal me in deeper ways than this thing is, that this thing is about? And would I believe and know that you're still with me, you still love me, and you still forgive me? So I just pray that over my brothers and sisters um, in Jesus' name. Um, when I was at Rome... And sitting in, you know, Paul's prison, there was this, there was something really amazing about uh, thinking through his journey. You know, he was, he spent the last, I mean, if you read Acts, like the last third is about him doing this appeal process and like getting shipwrecked, getting snake bitten, talking to a king who didn't really want the gospel, being in prison for years, and just his vision of if I just stand before Caesar, the whole empire can be influenced by this one man and know God. I mean, incredible. So finally he stands before Caesar, as Christian history uh, has it. It's not, it, book, the book of Acts kind of leaves you hanging. Uh, but he stands before Caesar, and basically Caesar doesn't become Christian, and he gets, like, killed. <laughs> and you're just like, what the heck? But then 300 years later, I'm standing at the Colosseum, learning about it, and and uh, it's built a little bit after like Paul's death. Christians are brutally murdered there. You know, Emperor Neo is way worse than uh, Caesar, and he just lights Christians on fire and does all kinds of horrific things. Gladiators fought there, and um, Russell Crowe and stuff. And then, um, and then, and then the Colosseum gets shut down because. Um, because Constantine becomes Christian. And when he becomes Christian, all of Rome becomes Christian with him. And that's how Europe becomes Christian. And we, I want us to pray in the microcosm of our worst struggle. But I also want us to breathe into the will of God and say, can we pray for something that is so big where it goes beyond us, that is so in line with God's heart that he accomplishes it after we've died and we see it, we see it dissipate. Paul dies a martyr 
but he is so focused on this big dream that Jesus happens to also be focused on, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that his greatest dream happens 300 years after he dies. When I think about your greatest dreams and your biggest prayers beyond yourself, I get excited about that too. You know, sin kind of muddles our vision for great dreams. But when I think about our short time and Nepal with the Changs, and yet, man, God's moving there beyond, with you there and beyond you, right? When God moved in Rome and, and led that whole nation to Christ, or when we fight for people with special needs or people who are foster kids looking for a home or the homeless, we do, we pray thy kingdom come. And there's this great hope now and in the new earth that his kingdom will come. And everyone with special needs will have all of their needs met. That everyone who are orphaned will have a family in Christ. And everyone who is homeless will have a home. And so I have this video from uh, Open Doors that we're going to go to. It's a few minutes long. And I just kind of want us to hold... Um, yeah, hold our sins that we're struggling with, our current needs, with what it means to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, and just and be able to pray for those things too as we go to learn about the persecuted church at four, as we go to Corona Del Mar at six and pray beyond ourselves. So I have a short video and then after that, uh, the worship team can come up.
up. And um, I would love for you guys, as they're setting up, just to go ahead and pray for each other. Um, I hope that as we reflected on some of the things we're praying about now, some of the things that we prayed for but stopped praying for, that maybe something in the sermon will shift the way you pray right now. Um, And that's what I hope you can do with each other, that you would just jump straight into that same prayer prayer you prayed a hundred times, that same thing you, you talked to God about this morning, but maybe something about Scripture would have shifted it. And, and um, you can pray that out. And then as we take communion, I would love for us, again, to remember the death of Christ for our sins and to say, Jesus, in you we have new life. In you we have bigger dreams. In you we desire the gospel to go through the whole earth. And what is the dream that, you, that God might start, start laying on your heart that would go beyond your life? Um, and that will be accomplished because it's his dream too. So I hope that in our communion time, we would pray about that. All right. Thanks, everyone.